Welcome to the Cinema Men Podcast. I'm your host, John Murphy, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Hurdle. Hey, John. How's it going, man? Oh, I'm doing pretty great. How, how are you? You seem kind of kind of down. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I usually try not to bring stuff into the podcast. You know, I try to keep my... My inner sadness separate because you know people don't want to hear sad Matt on their intros but man I've just been thinking a lot about the past you know mm. okay I, when I was a kid I used to play little league and I was you know I was a young little fella we were playing in the a tournament game it was just a regular tournament you know the city I think it has what 30,000 people in it mm-hmm. I'd say in attendance that day there was probably at least 30 people sure, sure. and uh, you know it, it was it was a tied game we had a runner on third and I came up to bat and I was facing a full count three balls and two strikes Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The pitcher, he he chunked me a, a low, slow, easy hit, and I just whiffed it. <laughs> huh. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Something like that, it can really haunt a man, you know? For the rest <laughs> of your life. I mean, I'm, I'm in my 40s now, and that happened when I was probably 11. Still bothers me to this day. Yeah, that's, that's so a tough I'm, break. I'm just sitting here kind of drinking heavy and trying to get over the scars of the past, you know. Hmm. <sighs> I, speaking of uh, drinks, hmm. I, I may have something that can help you. I've got a little a little thing here, a little drinky drink mm-hmm. that that could completely change your life. And it would... Uh, it would allow you to go back or allow me to go back in time and make you hit that ball. That way it would change your entire life. Really? What do, you, what do you think about that? I think that sounds crazy, but I'm pretty desperate for a drink. So hand that thing over. Well, let, let me make it up for you. A little, uh, little cognac and a little uh, goat's milk and some uh, peppermint schnapps. Let me mix those up there here. Here you go. Hmm. You know, this is as crazy as this sounds. You know, if you really can go back in time by me drinking a drink and change the past, you think we could do something about Hitler instead of this baseball game? But eh, let's not worry about that. Hit it down the hatch. There you go. So it's changed. Yeah, every your entire life has changed. It has. Yeah. My room looks the same. Well, that little things like that obviously wouldn't change. the. It's the big stuff. Oh, well, what about the, this episode of the Cinema Men podcast? Are we still doing Mr. Destiny? Yeah, but is this still the Cinema Men podcast? Yeah. Here, let me check my bank account. Hold on. says I've got $5 less than I'm supposed to have. 
See, totally changed. Your your life is different now. Let me let me let me look up the game. Okay. Apparently, I did. I hit the ball and I got a home run, and we won. And there was an article in my local paper about it. Yeah. See. But nothing changed. It's the same. It's we nailed it. Your life is is completely altered. Your your outlook on life should be positive now instead of dour and and dreary. Really? <laughs> I really guess I put a little too much emphasis on that little the little, little league game <laughs> when I was 11. Well, I didn't, uh, I didn't. <laughs> All that happened is I'm $5 poorer. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird that you asked me to change a baseball game. It doesn't seem like that would change much, but I think I think you'll you'll be happy with the results. Well, on the plus side, I don't feel bad about missing the ball, so I guess there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's go on with the podcast, I guess. All right. Well, on this morning's episode, we're going to be reviewing the 1990 fantasy comedy film, Mr. Destiny, starring Jim Belushi, directed by James Orr. Uh, you said this morning's episode. Yeah. I always say this one. You do? Yeah. I don't remember you ever saying that. We record in the mornings. Obviously, I would say this morning's episode. Oh my gosh. Is it in the morning? It is. It's 8.45 in the morning. Yeah. I couldn't uh, tell if you were just sleepy or if you were just well, down today. Well, <laughs> we always do this at night. John. No, I don't think so. Oh my gosh. We're too busy at night. I've made a terrible mistake, John. I hate waking <laughs> up early in the morning. And all I've done is lost $5, and now I have to wake up in the morning early every other week. Yeah. Oh, I get have up regrets. At, we get up at 7 a.m. To, to prepare. <laughs> I had it so good. <laughs> Why did I change? <laughs> oh, heavens. I, okay, enough. Another award winner. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead and put that one on the bottom shelf with the rest of them. Yeah. We need more shelf space. (laughs) For the bottom, for sure. Award winning episodes. (laughs) Uh, Hey, this is a spoiler podcast. So if you've never seen this movie, which you probably haven't, and you don't want to be spoiled, pause this episode, go watch the movie, and then come back. Stay tuned until the end of the episode where we reveal what our next movie will be so you can follow along with us. If you'd like to get in touch with us or give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. If you would like to support us monetarily and have the means to do so, you can go to anchor.fm slash cinemamenpodcast slash support. We use the money to improve the quality of the podcast so in advance, thank you very much. Let's get started with our review of Mr. Destiny.
That was the trailer for Mr. Destiny, albeit not a very good one. Yeah, that trailer, at least from the audio perspective, is terrible. There's no narrator. It's just the audio from the movie. (laughs) Can't wait to see that movie now. I know someone misses a baseball, and then we hear Michael Caine's voice, and then some flutes. (laughs) It's all you need. Oh, the plot synopsis from imdb.com. Unhappy Larry Burroughs sees what life could could have been like had he made that winning home run as a teenager. That's a weird that was written by someone who doesn't know baseball. He made the home run. <laughs> mm. All right. So, <clears throat> plot of Mr. Destiny I picked this one this time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This was my pick. Yes, it was. (laughs) Um, This is a movie that I grew up watching. Uh, I believe it was one of those that was recorded for our family by my aunts and and uncles. Um, So we had it on VHS and I watched it a lot. Um. I guess I can go since I picked this. Um, This is a, if you've ever seen It's a Wonderful Life, this is that same concept. You've got a guy who has a life that isn't the greatest or he doesn't like it. He has problems with it and he wants it to change. And a, a person who has the ability to change his life does so. And then... He is living that new life and realizes that he had the best life already. Um, That's it in a nutshell. Um, I really like plots like that, uh, where we get to fantasize about what could have been, um, you know, basically changing your entire trajectory of life into another thing. Uh, This particular movie's plot it's pretty thin. Um, there's not a lot that goes on. Not a lot of tension. Uh, just things happen. And it doesn't even cha- change that much. Like, things do change, obviously. But he still lives in the same town. He still works at the same place, albeit a better job. Um, it's, it's just not... 
not not so different that you would be like, oh man, he's just completely he's completely changed. Um, I think that this movie has some pretty one dimensional characters, especially the um, bad guy, air quote bad guy. Um, and I think it's fun. it's funny that uh, we have Larry Burroughs who he's like, man, no coffee. I never get any coffee in the morning. Coffee's always gone. And I do the same thing every day. I just wish I could have hit that baseball in high school. That would have changed my life for the better. And that, the, the the entire statement there seems ridiculous. Like he doesn't really have that bad of a life. He has a pretty beautiful wife. He has a nice home. He has a decent job, good friends. Both of his parents are still alive and married. Uh, but he wants it all to change because he can't get coffee in the morning and uh, no one remembers his birthday. He thinks, um, and immediately after changing everything, he almost immediately regrets what he has done. Um, it's very, it's a very weird movie. And after watching it, uh, after all these years, I'm trying to remember what I liked about it. <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I do, did enjoy it for the nostalgia. Uh, but I also, the plot is not an area that I was like, man, this is why I love this movie. Mm. It's definitely not the plot. What did you think? <laughs> so, uh, I have no history with this movie whatsoever, uh, aside from seeing the movie posters in video stores and looking at the cover and wondering what that's all about. So when you announced this as our movie during our last podcast, I really had no idea what to expect. So I went in pretty blind. Um, the plot is probably the best thing this movie has going for it, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I, I found the movie overall fairly unremarkable. Um, but... The, the plot in itself, while it is a, it's a wonderful life clone, essentially. Um, it, it's interesting enough that I had a good time watching the movie mm -hmm. um, from start to finish. You know, there were plenty of eye rolls. There was plenty of, uh, you know, what the heck is this? Um, but aside from that, you know, I found the plot interesting um, we saw some decent character development. Um, there were some real endearing moments in it. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, I think the, the, the plot is the strongest thing this has going for it. it uh, it's charming, I guess you could say. Not super mm. charming, but charming enough that I enjoyed watching it. Now, would I, uh, you know, would I go as soon as this podcast is over and go watch it again and be like, yay? No, probably not. I feel like this is, a, you know, a fairly forgettable film that you can watch and have a good time with. Don't get me wrong. But once you've watched it, you're probably like, yeah, okay, I'm good now. Let's move on. Do you know what I mean? That's mm -hmm. kind of what I got from this. So um, not bad. Right. Just not, not bad. Not good. Very middle of the road movie for me. Yeah. 
there's not a lot <clears throat> like it's I describe the plot as quaint. Like it's kind of like um <laughs> I don't know, waking up in the morning and having a cup of coffee. Like you're barely getting going, you're still half asleep, but you have a nice warm cup of coffee in your hand. Like that's what this movie makes me feel like. Yeah. It's yeah. it's not you're not going to get tense really. I mean, there's one, maybe one tense moment in the movie. Um, it's just the movie's happening to this semi nice guy who tries to do the right thing. And, but he is an idiot basically. Yeah. yeah, well, That was one part that did kind of bug me. I mean, it seemed pretty obvious from the very beginning of this movie that this guy's got it pretty good. You know, he's got a, an executive job in accounting. He's got good friends. He's got a great wife who loves him to pieces um, and that he loves back. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 interesting because it's a grass is greener movie, but it's pretty evident from the very beginning that the grass is pretty dang green. I mean, the really the only bad thing that happens to him is he loses his job and his car breaks down. Which mm -hmm. sucks, right? Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, it's, all things considered, like, those are two obstacles that are easily overcomable. Well, maybe not today, but in, <laughs> in the early 90s, we're fairly easily overcomable. Yeah. And uh, he's just like, man, you know, I love my wife, but, uh, dang, can you imagine banging the boss's wife? Ooh, <laughs> I'm just like, man, who are you? You're just a jerk. <laughs> And, you know, he goes through the whole Ebenezer Scrooge thing. And at the end of it, he's like, man, what am I doing? I have to change my ways and appreciate what I have, which is a good message. Um, but, you know, it's just uh, it's a very safe movie, I guess you could say. Like you're saying, there's just not it's a it's a fun little story, almost like a fairy tale that you watch and then you're done. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it was weird to me, too, that. He, he obviously didn't know how his life would change after he agreed to do this. Mm -hmm. um, but when it did change, he, he uh, has sex with another woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but he, at the same time, is still trying to get with his old wife and be yeah. unfaithful to his new wife. <laughs> And, you know, something else I've got to say as a dad, this was kind of horrifying to me was, you know, not only was he not married to his wife anymore, but he didn't have any kids anymore. And he had two new kids that he'd never met before in his life. Right. That's, that's a terrifying <laughs> thought, you know, yeah. like your yeah. kid that you, you love doesn't exist anymore because you <laughs> didn't marry the lady that you or whatever. You didn't have kids with that lady. Hmm. And I was just like, oh, that's awful. And he didn't, he wasn't bothered about that at all. He was just like, hey, lady, you're my <laughs> wife now, which, okay, fair enough. She is. Let's go, uh, go put on your purple masquerade and let's <laughs> go do the dirty for yeah. my birthday. And thanks for the cheese and all this, you know. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Stupid. Yeah. So, uh, you know, plenty, plenty of holes. Uh, he's not necessarily the best guy, but I guess that's the point, right? It, it's a transition of him from, you know, unappreciative kind of a, kind of an asshole to a, a good dude who appreciates what he wants and appreciates his friends who annoy him, but are there for him no matter what, you know? 
Yeah. Now, one of the things that drew me to this movie all the time as a kid was Michael Caine. Mm -hmm. Um, His character is very mysterious. And I'll talk more about what I like about this movie in one of the other categories. But so, you know, you bringing that up. I'm sorry. Finish your thought and then I'll I'll go. Oh, I was just going to say. I liked him and I thought his mysteriousness and his. He's essentially a godlike character, like he can Mm -hmm. make things and it's alluded to that he may be God, um, sort of. But we don't really get a sense of who he exactly is. Um, Mm -hmm. But that whole thing and then um, him being able to phase in and out of reality and then um when he does the whole uh, timeline thing with his finger mm-hmm. i remember that scene i will always remember that scene mm-hmm. um for some reason and it almost gives this movie it's not quite a sci-fi angle but it's definitely adds more fantasy to it than mm-hmm. uh, a normal movie like this would even though it's a wonderful life you have the character that is the angel um, but he's not, of course that was an older movie and he wasn't mm-hmm. throwing around CG effects and stuff, but, uh, still I, I liked Michael Caine in this. this. This movie definitely does feel like it could have been a Christmas movie really easily, but I guess that's because mm-hmm. of the, it's a wonderful life parallel. There's mm-hmm. also a couple other movies that kind of fit into this genre in the Christmas season, right? Like I mentioned, um, oh, for Pete's sake. Um, the Christmas Carol. There we go. Oh yeah. I mean, it's kind of similar to that. Um, it, there's a movie, and I don't even remember what this movie's called. But there's an angel that comes down and uh, changes a woman's life, and like she has, she's down on her luck, and her kids get kidnapped, and like he looks out for the kids. It, it kind of feels like that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you see a lot of this in Christmas movies and this is not a Christmas movie. Right. But you know, you, you saying that about Michael Caine's character has got me thinking, you know, this could have worked as a, like a quantum leap TV show really well mm-hmm. where every episode is Michael Caine changing some guys or some ladies destiny. And then them, seeing their life from a different perspective, essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. um, that would, that would be pretty interesting. I feel like, Oh yeah. Especially in this, in that time frame. you know, quantum leap was a big show. This would have been in that area. I almost wish that I could see this as an episodic TV show about a bunch of different people rather than seeing it as one movie. Oh, infinite possibilities there. A lot of of neatness there. I think. Yeah. Sort of like quantum leap. (laughs) Yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Anyway, it's uh, just a side note. Yeah. <clears throat> Any more notes than the plot? Uh, no, not for me. This is kind of where we uh, injected the character talk. Is there any specific character that you thought was interesting? or? Um, I mean, I agree with you that probably the most interesting was Michael Caine. Mm-hmm. Um. Jim Belushi, I mean, I don't want to get into acting, but talking about characters, his character, his transition was good. He was kind of a relatable guy, but he was also kind of a jerk. So Mm -hmm. that was a little off-putting. 
Uh, Linda Hamilton's character really did well. Um, she played his wife, Ellen Burroughs. Uh, I guess we should mention Jim Belushi plays Larry Burroughs, the main character. And that's Jim, not John. Uh, Michael Caine <laughs> is playing Mike, who is essentially Mr. Destiny. And then uh, I'm mentioning Linda Hamilton, who played Ellen Burroughs. She plays um, a really different character than I'm used to seeing her as. You know, mm -hmm. I, I think of Linda Hamilton, I think instantly of Sarah Connor. You know, real strong, real tough. Uh, don't mess with me. And uh, this this version is a lot more happy-go-lucky. Like, she's very smart, and she cares about the union, and she cares about her people, but she's not hard-edged. And I'm used to seeing a hard-edged Linda Hamilton. Right. And I really enjoyed seeing her as a character in this film. It was real... I really enjoyed watching her in the new reality. She hates Larry because, you know, he's the, he's the president of the company and he's, you know, not taking care of his workers and he's laying people off and she just hates him. And then he takes her out essentially on a date. And I really enjoyed watching that play out because he knew everything about her and he was able to romance her and you see her kind of slowly soften and then kind of start endearing him to him a little bit. And uh, mm -hmm. that, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that scene a lot too, with the, uh, uh, that music over the montage of them going on uh, golfing and mm -hmm. uh, eating pizza and all that stuff. That was a great scene too. When they, when yeah. they go to the, the old place where they had their first date, which never happened in this world, but, the Gulf uh, of Mexico. Yeah. Like she, she puts through a, this alley and the whole building just like collapses on them. Cause it's so old. I got a good kick out of that. Yeah. Well, why don't we get into acting? Cause yeah, let's we, do can, it. we can talk about characters in there too. Um, so a pretty big cast for this type of movie. I would yeah, think for sure. Uh, Jim Belushi, Michael Caine, uh, Linda Hamilton, as we already mentioned them. But Renee Russo, Courtney Cox, John Lovitz, um, Kathy Ireland, Kathy Ireland in a, a very small part. Uh, but yeah, she was Lochner playing yeah, Miles. Hart, Hart. Uh, and I want to talk about him for a second. Uh, Hart Bachner, if you don't know that name, you should remember him from Die Hard, which was mm -hmm. the a movie we have reviewed this season and he was the snivelly smarmy businessman mm -hmm. uh, that <laughs> uh, tries to negotiate with Hans Gruber and ends up getting himself killed. I, I, uh, I gave him a spice award for that performance. Yeah. Hans Booby. <laughs> Booby. <laughs> uh, but he is pretty much the same type of character here. Um, He's a businessman, he's smarmy, and he's underhanded, and uh, well, he has a much bigger part in this movie, of course, uh, but I like seeing him in this. Um, he always made me laugh, like um, him thinking he knew what was going on uh, whenever Jim Belushi had his destiny altered and slowly realizing that, oh, this is not the guy that he used to follow. 
he needs to take him down. Um, so he figures out some kind of murder plot that he was going to frame him for, which, uh, works out actually. Um, <laughs> uh, but I liked him. Uh, so uh, pretty big. Rene Russo is in mm-hmm. this movie also, uh, known for, uh, the major league movies. That's where I knew her from primarily, mm-hmm. but uh, she's done a number of other things. Um, oh, yeah. including I think she was in Get Shorty, uh, the Thomas Actress. Crown Affair. Yeah, uh, she's in Thor: The Dark World. Yep, she's uh, Avengers in Game. Thor's mommy. Mm-hmm. Uh, early Courtney Cox role. Very, very early Courtney Cox. Pre Friends, yes. possibly pre Ace Ventura. I don't remember exactly when Ace Ventura came out. Um. And John Lovitz, like classic SNL actor, comedian. I thought he got a little bit of short shrift in this movie. Like he did some funny, weird eyeball gags and <laughs> danced around funny and stuff like that. But uh, he could have had a bigger part, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, all that to say, I thought the acting was decent for the most part. Uh, it keeps the movie from being boring. Um, I like Jim Belushi in this movie. I like his narration. Um, he plays a good, just regular dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like his, his brand of comedy, I guess. And then legendary Michael Caine, uh, for as little as he's in the movie, he kind of elevates the movie, um, adds those acting chops and, um, I I liked his mysterious character as well. Uh, but anyway. Yeah. yeah, Michael Caine's great, for sure. Um, for me, I, I found the acting, despite the cast, a little bit lackluster. Um, you know, it, it just, the whole movie felt like it had a filter on it, if that makes any sense at all. Like, like it felt kind of watered down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's hard for me to explain that other than to say it like this. Like, it's hard for me to tell you this is why, or this is what I mean, but it, it's almost, it almost felt like I was watching a TV show instead of a movie to, mm-hmm. to kind of go back to that. Um, you know, no award-winning performances here by a long shot, not bad performances. In fact, some of them were pretty good. Um, but a lot of them, like, uh, like for example, uh, was it? Uh, Mr. Hansen, yeah, Leo Hansen, the, uh, the the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. He was a cartoon character <laughs> until he gets murdered brutally. He's a cartoon character. Uh, yeah. The butler Boswell, uh, played by Douglas Seal, another mm-hmm. cartoon character. Brewski, sir. Uh, yeah, Brewski. What uh, you know? Um. <laughs> almost kind of like delirious that John Candy movie that we reviewed, you know, like Mm -hmm. it almost felt like we were watching a movie in a movie kind of thing. But as a result, (laughs) the the acting felt like it had a level of cheese that you don't typically expect. And I feel like if this movie didn't have that, it wouldn't be as lighthearted, but um, I think it might be a more engaging movie than it was. Like it just everything felt kind of bland. Uh, you mm. got John Lovitz, 
right? John Lovitz plays John Lovitz. I mean, he's he he plays the same character that I always see him play. His mm-hmm. character's name is Clip Metzler, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just John Lovitz being John Lovitz. <laughs> you know, yeah. the only difference is he doesn't have any of that anger that you typically see with him. Uh, it's just kind of a, a happy-go-lucky prank kind of guy, whereas mm-hmm. a lot of times you see him get mad about something dumb and yelling in his nasally voice. Right. Um, and I'm not saying he did a bad job, right? I'm just saying it was very just, it's John Lovitz. Okay, here he is. You know, nothing nothing standouty. And I think that's pretty much across the class for the most part. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, there's, um, like I said, with the plot, it's, it's quaint. Like things just happen. Yeah. There's no, like, I, like I, a Hallmark I, movie, kind of. <laughs> yeah. I hate to say it, but yeah, kind of. Um, I, I like some of the characters like Leo Hansen. Like he is a cartoon character, but <laughs> he has some of the funniest lines in the movie. Yes, uh, for sure. Ludwig, who is the driver, like he has some really good uh, scenes with Jim Belushi. Um, all of the characters have moments, but it, it's a lot of it is centered around Jim Belushi, and it's kind of his vehicle, I guess. It's like he he's making the you know, it's it's all about him. He's the movie. He's he's driving things forward. Um, everything centers around him. Uh, so I don't know. I, I also can't really put a pin on why this movie is weird like that, but it it is. <clears throat> and, you know, again, I at the end of the day, I enjoyed watching this. You know, I really did. It's not a bad movie. It's just it's a very average feeling movie. Mm-hmm. There's just nothing outstanding about it. Yeah. Okay, art direction, cinematography, and visual effects. Uh, I mean, <laughs> how about <right>. that? <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you why I like this movie. Okay, and it's it's this category. Really? <clears throat> yeah, it's not. It's not the cinematography. It's not the visual effects. It's not anything like that. It's when I was a kid. The things that I thought were awesome about this movie were the things that he ended up acquiring when in his new life. Okay. The spider, the car, Mm -hmm. um, the huge library full of books with the man, with the fireplace that's as big as a house and the chair that's as big as a room. And that fireplace was obnoxiously large. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the office with the automated desk that turned on when you <laughs> sat down. And did you see the laptop in the background? I don't guess. I don't know. Oh, it was an old, old laptop, old 1990 laptop back. It was awesome. Oh. It looked like a tank sitting back there. <laughs> uh, the rotating bar, like all the gadgets and gizmos yeah. in his office. I would watch this movie and I would dream about having those things. Mm. And this is one of the movie, this movie single-handedly made made me get into model car building. Okay. I can and see I used that. 
I had, I built probably 15 to 20 model cars. Uh, after watching this movie, I would have my parents go buy me some and I would put them together. I would use, uh, the glue. I would completely paint them. I would put all the decals on meticulously, put them in the right spot. Um, I had a paddy wagon. I had a, a 60, 68 Corvette, uh, 66 Camaro. Like I had all of these cars and I had no place to display them. So I kept them in the boxes. And so they were in a closet in boxes. Um, <laughs> but anyway, this is one of the reasons I love this movie is when I was a kid, the visual like dream aspect, like the fantasy, the, Oh, I can have all these cool things uh, kind of drew me to the movie, I guess. Other than that, I have no real comment on this category because it's just like it's a comedy. So as we've always said, with most comedies, the cinematography is just there. Um, okay. Art direction, I guess all the stuff that I'm talking about would be an art direction. So in that that aspect of it was decent, I thought. Um, and then there are some visual effects like having Michael Caine phase in and out of reality and his little finger trick with the nodes and, uh, timelines. Uh, but really other than that, there are, aren't many other visual effects. So yeah, for me, it's, it's the things, the art direction, I guess, wins this category for me. Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you mean in that the house and the office were both pretty neat. Mm. Uh, I would agree with that. He does show a passion for model cars and it did kind of make me want to brush out my old model kits too. And be like, eh, yeah, I remember doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, when he's, when he's in the house and his family wants to go to the opera and he's like, yeah, I'd rather just paint this car. And they're like, you've got to have that car in the garage. And he's like, <laughs> yeah, I kind of like them smaller. <laughs> that was, that was a neat, that was a neat little scene. Yeah. Um, that home is actually the Vanderbilt home in Asheville, North Carolina, um, which is where they, they filmed all of those scenes at. I, I suspect they did a little bit of touching up, probably not too much. Cause I think that's a pretty historic home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the special effects they're for 1990, they're unremarkable. You know, you see, uh, Mr. Destiny, or Mike, or, you know, he, he kind of makes the little pinpoint to light, which is, it's neat, but it's nothing amazing by any no. means. And no grand technical feat there. Right. And then he does, he kind of fades in and out of existence, um, which is okay, but nothing amazing. Again, everything is very middle of the road. Um, I will give you some points, like you're saying to the, uh, mansion scenes, um, they were pretty, pretty great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it, I mean, there's nothing ba- really bad about it, but there's also nothing good about it. It's just right down the middle. You know? <laughs> yeah. Just like everything else in this movie. Sure. Uh, oh, the other part was uh, when he was mixing the uh, spilt milk drink mm-hmm. at the beginning. Uh, I always was fascinated by that, that little bit of chemistry of mixing the drinks to make it look like milk Hmm. Uh, because it starts out pink and then he pours something else in it and it turns it completely transparent. 
and then he pours something in, else in it and it makes it milk, this milky mm-hmm. uh, look to it. Uh, I thought that was super cool. But these are all, <clears throat> I'm just recounting the things that I thought were cool as a kid. <laughs> and I still think some of this is, is neat, but it, as a f- almost 40 year old, it's like, well, it's all neat, but completely unobtainable for me. Mm-hmm. I can't, I, I can't own a mansion. I can't own a garage full of sports cars. <laughs> I mean, so, and really now as an adult, would you even really want to? Like, I don't think I'd want a house that big and fancy, even if I had the money for it. If you have a house that big, you have to hire somebody to clean it, which costs well, yeah, even more money. For sure. <laughs> but, I, you know, I mean, like, I would want a bigger house, right? And I'd want more land, and I might get an extra car or two. But that's about as far as I'd go. And when I say an extra car or two, I don't mean a replica James Dean spider, right? <laughs> I mean, like... I might get a Bronco, (laughs) you know, yeah, or maybe a Tesla if I want to really splurge. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Like to say that they were taking it to the extreme is a little, a bit of an understatement, you know, like the, he's the president of a company and he's got that much money. Like good heavens. That was the other thing is a little unbelievable that he's, he is the president of a sporting goods company. But he's got so much stuff. He would have to be a almost billionaire with mm-hmm. his mansion and all these classic, classic sports cars um, and everything. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> not quite. And I want to know what company you go to work for where you get $125,000 to start and a Mercedes. Because they were well, just now, throwing that around like everything. that one guy didn't get a Mercedes. I remember he's like, well, I didn't even get a Mercedes. LJ, even I didn't get a Mercedes. <laughs> Which you have to remember that that starting salary is also 1990 or whatever. Yeah. I don't know sure when this movie was set, but it was made in 1990. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be more like 225,000 <laughs> now. Uh, all right. Score. Go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you've got Give Me Some Lovin', yep. which is nice. You got I Got You, or I Feel Good, by James Brown. And you've got Only You uh, Can Make This Movie More Than Average. <laughs> it's just not, I mean, that's it, right? I don't remember any instrumental stuff at all, hardly. Um, I'm sure it was there, but I didn't notice it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I did notice the three tracks that I just mentioned just because just about everybody knows those songs. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is going to come as a shocker, John, but as far as the score is concerned, I think it's just kind of middle Never. of the road. <laughs> right down the line. <laughs> not line. remarkable, but not bad. A line drive to second. <laughs> Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, the the sound soundtrack is significant to me just because, again, when I was younger, "Give Me Some Lovin'" and those songs were burned into my brain. Like, and anytime I heard these songs, I would think Mr. Destiny. Um, 
and they're used to good effect in the movie. Uh, but there's nothing about the score that is really interesting or anything to write home about. Like there, I, I remember it because I watched it so much, but there's nothing, nothing you can really hum, nothing that uh, stands out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's a lot of diddly dupes, you know, a lot of whimsical, like, yeah, that late eighties turning into nineties music. Synth. Yep. So that's, that's about all there is for score. <clears throat> uh, anything in miscellaneous, any, uh, uh, this movie didn't do so well in the box office. Really? It had a budget of 20 million. Uh-huh. That's estimated. And uh, it made worldwide, uh, which is the same as it made in the U.S. and Canada, because I guess it was never released worldwide. Makes sense. Uh, 15 million. So (laughs) they uh, came in with the red on uh, Mr. Destiny. Uh Uh-huh. Makes sense. Uh, There's, to back up Matt's... uh, Opinions about this movie. The Rotten Tomatoes audience score is 55%. See, there you go. Right down. (laughs) Uh, The critics tomato meter, though, is 38%. So critics are a lot harder. Yeah. I don't think we're as bad as a lot of these critics. Does it it (laughs) seem to you that like real critics are always like, Either this movie's a masterpiece or this movie is a steaming pile of elephant turds. <laughs> like it's never uh, it was an I movie. Yeah. You never see that. I guess as a critic, it's their job to not ever say that. But I think as a critic, you watch so many movies that you eventually become jaded to the point where if it's not completely different than any other movie you've ever seen, then it's garbage. Yeah, you may be right. A lot of the uh, a lot of the uh, reviewers that I listen to on podcasts, they are like, "This is not. This is like everything else I've ever seen," and they will give it bad marks for that. So, I, I think that's part of it. Also, apologies, but I have a thunderstorm rolling through at the moment. So if you hear thunder on the microphone, I am sorry. Thunder rolls. We at Cinema Men cannot control the weather, unfortunately. So Yet. We are at the mercy of the winds. Yeah. Uh, you had something you, this, this movie is set in a place that you've been, right? That's true. Yeah, I I guess I could mention that. Um, So the office building is the old R.J. Reynolds Tobacco Company office building. They have since moved into a different building. Um, But I did some contract work uh, for that company for a while. And uh, their new building is very close to the old building. And so I did get to kind of see the inside of the the place where this was filmed, at least in terms of the office. I didn't get to go upstairs into the boss's room or anything like that. Um, if I knew about this movie, I probably would have tried to do that. Uh, but I didn't, uh, as I just watched it for the first time for this podcast. So um, negative there. But 
I mean, it's pretty cool that, uh, you know, I've, I've been to Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which is where this is at. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen the building with my own eyes stood in front of it. So that's, that's kind of fun. It's pretty neat. You saw the area where Clip Metzler almost fell to his death. That's right. It's, it's possible <laughs> that I was in the same place that Michael Caine once stood. So there and you then, go. And then phased out. That's how you know that the Cinema Men podcast is a legit podcast because oh, yeah. I've been to some place where Michael Caine has been at one time or another. <laughs> but we weren't there at the same time. But I've been there. His, his spirit was there. Yeah, he's not dead yet. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, then. Overall thoughts on this movie. And your star rating. Uh, so I can make this one short. Very middle of the road. <laughs> very average film. Gonna give it a five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Short and I'll, sweet. I'll, I'll add a little more to that. I, okay. I've said this before, but just to emphasize again. Um, at the end of the day, I really did enjoy this film. I had a fun time watching it, but it's very forgettable, right? It's not, and I'm sorry because I know this had a big impact on you in your life. So I don't mean that in a bad way, but for me, this movie was very forgettable. Um, you know, if you're bored and you happen to see it on TV, yeah, watch it. If you've never seen it before. Um, otherwise Find something else to watch. Well, I can't argue with anything you said. Um, as I mentioned at the beginning, the reason I like this movie so much is because I watched it so much as a kid during my mm-hmm. formidable years. Um, formative years, whatever. Um, so formidable years. Oh, watch out. <laughs> don't mess with John Deere. Don't mess with me. Um, but so it, it, it hit me differently than it would someone watching it for the first time as a grown up, uh, I think. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't take any issue with the fact that you said it was middle of the road because <laughs> I, I do agree. I don't think it's a great movie. I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think it's just a, it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some parts that I enjoy mainly because I enjoyed them as a kid, such as the art direction, um, some of the effects, and then uh, the, some of the characters I enjoyed a lot, um, and the the soundtrack. <clears throat> uh, but as an adult, I would have to, and looking at this as a as a unprofessional, non-professional critic, <laughs> uh, I would have to say, yeah, I, I would give this a five out of 10 also. Okay. It's, Agreement. It's not going to be up there with, uh, Raiders or the shining or any movie that is actually really good. And even the movies that I loved as a kid and we've reviewed since like best of the best, um, or Johnny Mnemonic, like I still like those more than this. Um, so I think 
it was probably not a great idea to review this one because now I have a worse opinion of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, but it's okay. I'm just glad that you didn't uh, give it a three like you did. Best of the best. No, I, I didn't <laughs> not like the movie. I just don't want to see it again. <laughs> I don't ever want to watch it ever, ever, <laughs> ever again. <laughs> All right, then. Time for some Spice Awards. The Spice Awards. There are three categories. Best actor, most underrated performance, and favorite scene. Best actor. Uh, this was a pretty easy pick for me. <laughs> uh, I went with Linda Hamilton as Ellen Burroughs. I thought you might. It's me, Larry. Oh, my God. Am I glad to see you. Oh, I've been wondering where you were. I beg your pardon? You know, they told me you didn't work here. I couldn't find you. There's no record of an Ellen Ripley, and I knew it wouldn't be under Burroughs. Why would it be under Burroughs? My name is Robertson. Robertson? What are you doing with that name? It is customary for a woman to take her husband's name, Mr. Burroughs. Now, if you'll excuse me. I uh, I really enjoyed her acting. I enjoyed seeing her uh, being kind of put in a really awkward situation where this guy you hate knows everything about you and claims you were married and seeing her react to that. I uh, I liked her in the beginning of the film when she was playing, you know, his uh, very loving and sweet wife. Uh, and I liked seeing her in a different role. Uh, I thought she did a great job. And uh, I've got to give it to her. I thought she did great. Yeah. I was shocked. Like, I I probably saw this movie. I'm pretty certain I saw this movie before Terminator 2. Um, So I knew her as this character, Hmm. uh, which was the bubbly, sweet wife of Larry Burroughs. And then I saw her as Sarah Connor. so that was kind of the other direction. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, but I think this both of those movies are a good indicator of how good of an actress she is. Um, she's able to play that just sweet female character, which she has two different characters she pulls off in this movie. The first mm-hmm. is the character pre Destiny Change, and the second one is post. And in her uh, post destiny change character. She's a lot more hard nosed, um, not as sweet. And, uh, that was also a good indicator that she's, she's really good at, at her job. Mm. So, um, that's a really good pick. I picked Michael Caine as Mike. I hit one stinking baseball. Well, you see, Larry, one's destiny is a very complicated thing. Every incident, in a person's life affects everything else that follows it. Instead of missing the baseball, however, you hit it. Then you became a hero, married the prom queen, and so on and so forth, until you find yourself exactly where you are. So you see, hitting that baseball has spun your life off in an entirely new direction. Are you an angel or something? Not exactly, no. 
Then what are you? Have you ever been faced with a decision and you weren't sure what to do? Yeah, sure, plenty of times. And then something inside you made you choose one direction over another? Yeah, so? So that's me. I make the suggestions and you make the choices. That's how destiny works, Larry. Very subtly. And the reason I picked Michael Caine as Mike is because it's Michael Caine. Uh, primarily, but also he takes a very small screen time and becomes one of the more iconic characters in this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, He's just really good at playing that mysterious character. Um, He sort of is doing the thing he always does in movies. Like he's not playing a different character than a vastly different character than what we've seen in like, the Dark Knight or whatever. Um, but he just does it really well. And and I really liked his character, so that's why I gave him the best actor nod. Hmm. Most underrated performance. Uh, for this one, uh, I had a little bit of a more difficult choice to make. Uh but I wound up giving it to Pat Corley, who played Harry Burroughs. She loves caviar. Thinks it's salty candy. I haven't told her it's fish eggs. <laughs> Are you crazy, Dad? Bringing that girl in here? What if Mom found out? She'd skin you alive. Relax. We signed the papers a week ago. I'm free and clear now. Now, what do you think of Gina? Hot stuff. Huh? Papers? What papers? The divorce papers. Div- you and Mom are divorced? Of course we're divorced. Nothing lasts forever. You told me so yourself. I said that? Yeah, and you were right, too. Listen, kid. Can you spot me ten grand? Gina's been killing me to take her to St. Bart's, okay? You're aces, kid. You're racist, kid. Yeah. You know, he played that that kind of dad character just great. You know, uh, he he was perfect in the beginning of the movie. Hey, could you look into this guy? He's bringing in this hotshot Japanese baseball team looking at bats, all this stuff. And uh, yeah, you're racist, kid. Smack, smack. And then, (laughs) you know, later on when he's the rich guy and he's divorcing his mom and he's with Kathy Ireland. Uh, I just thought he did a great job. I, I, that character always made me smile, uh, when he was on screen and, uh, yeah, I I thought he did a really great job. Yeah. I like him. Um, it reminds, that reminds me that like, maybe this is a small town or something, but everyone that he knows works in this place, (laughs) his dad, his wife, his best friend, uh, Everybody works at the sporting goods building. Um, it's pretty funny. So <clears throat> we mentioned him before, but we didn't really go into depth. And I kind of did that on purpose because I wanted to talk about him here. But mm-hmm. uh, Bill McCutcheon as Leo Hansen. Burroughs? Mm-hmm. How do I fire LJ Burroughs? LJ, you're fired. LJ? You are fired. LJ, 
You rotten son of a bitch. You can't do that to my baby girl and get away with it. You're fired. That's not bad. Maybe I'll just write him a letter and leave it in his office. Yeah, that'd be better. Dear LJ, you rotten son of a bitch. <laughs> he was a cartoon character. But he has some pretty good lines in this movie. He is. Yeah, he really the, does. He's the the founder of the sporting goods company, and he's just this old man that acts confused all the time. And you wonder how in the world he started this company with how he acts now. But besides that, um, he's just super laid back, really nice, not non confrontational. He's scared of his own employees. Uh, and there's a scene where uh, Rene Russo's character figures out that Larry Burroughs has been uh, cheating on her. And he goes to write a letter or he goes to practice what he's going to say to Larry. He's going to fire him. Mm -hmm. And he's like, LJ, you're fired. <laughs> LJ Burroughs, you are fired. LJ, you rotten son of a bitch. You are fired. And well, that's good. That's not bad. That's yeah. not right. And then he's like, oh, maybe I'll just write him a letter. And so he yeah. writes down, LJ, you rotten son of a bitch. <laughs> and leaves it in his office. Uh, it was just very funny. And he has a couple more scenes where uh, he does some stuff like that. So I really liked his character and that's why I gave him most underrated performance. Yeah, it's a, that's a great choice. And he was actually my, my second choice. So I'm glad you went with him. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Final category, favorite scene. What do you have for favorite scene? Uh, for my favorite scene, I went with the date. this once before but uh you know i enjoyed watching that quite a bit I, I liked the chemistry that jim belushi and linda hamilton had uh i enjoyed watching him kind of woo her and her uh becoming wooed despite the fact that she was married uh i also liked that near the end of the film when he asked her to come with her she's like no 
you know, what you told me made me realize what's important and I'm going to stay with my man. And I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. So yeah. uh, Yeah. That date in general, although it felt a little greasy because they were both married. uh, It it was a, it was a sweet date and I enjoyed watching it. Yeah. I think they got away with it because they were married in another reality or whatever. Uh, Otherwise it would have been real skeezy. Um, I have a very obscure scene, I guess. Um, I, this one always makes me laugh and it's the scene where Larry discovers the car garage in the mansion. God, I've died and gone to heaven. Excuse me, sir. Would you like to go for a ride before dinner? Oh, no, 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 thanks. Thanks. Anyway. Hey, tell me something. Who do these cars belong to? (laughs) Well, they belong to you, sir. Get the hell out of here. As you wish, sir. And... He's looking at his cars and Ludwig shows up and he's like, uh, would you like to go for a ride, sir? And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. And he's like, hey, hey, uh, Ludwig, uh, whose cars are these? And <laughs> Ludwig goes, why, they're yours, sir. And Larry Burrow says, get the hell out of here. And Ludwig goes, very well, sir. And then he leaves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, oh, that's, that's not what I meant, Ludwig. It's perfect comedic timing. And also, after Ludwig leaves, Larry or Jim Belushi's character doesn't even realize he's left. He's still in awe of the cars. So he doesn't even act shocked or anything. And he didn't even mean for him to leave. It's just, (laughs) it was funny because that's an American saying, I guess, or a less proper thing. And he took it literally. Hmm. Uh, But really like that scene. Kind of obscure with what with all the other scenes. I really like the date scene too. Um, it's it's one of my favorites also. Okay, I guess that's gonna do it for Mister Destiny. Our destiny hasn't been altered. So now the question that everyone's been waiting to hear the answer to: What is our next movie? I think it's time for us to take another step down the road, John. Oh. It's time to continue down the King's Road and watch the next Stephen King movie. Okay. That being The Dead Zone. (laughs) All right. Awesome. I think you'll like this one, but I don't know 100% sure. So you can join us in two weeks when we will be reviewing The Dead Zone, directed by David Cronenberg, starring Christopher Walken. And this is one of the King's Journey movies. So if you've been waiting with bated breath for another King's Journey episode, it's upcoming. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to the Cinema Men podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. 
You can head over to cinemamenpodcast.com to check out new and old episodes. We always love to hear from listeners, so if you have a suggestion or just want to give us your take on a movie, you can email us at feedback at cinemamenpodcast.com or check us out on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemamenpod. Thanks for listening.